Welcome to the Life is Good podcast, where we explore the transformative power of healing, delve into real stories of resilience, and uncover the wisdom that lies within all of us. Each episode is a journey towards a life that is truly good, and I am honored to have you with me on this path to self-discovery and growth. I welcome you, and I thank you. Today, I have the pleasure to sit with Zori Tomova, who is bringing to the world the art of circling and the medicine of authentic relating as a gift to all of us. Uh, she's also a shamanic guide, and I had the opportunity to uh, be part of one of her workshops too, actually, um, the authentic relating workshops. And um, I got to say, I was quite fascinated by uh, what I've learned there. I remember I first heard about circling and relating in uh, Aubrey Marcus' podcast, but I had never experienced it myself. Uh, and then since I did with Zori, I can uh, see how, you know, my relationships are um, a bit easier to navigate now. <laughs> but without any further ado, welcome, Zori. How are you today? Thank you so much. I'm really grateful to be here. Um, today I'm feeling actually pretty good. Nice. Do you... Yeah, my heart is very open. Thank you so much for the cacao Thank that we're drinking right now. <laughs> In the presence of these Mayan statues over here that are also looking at us. Um, so I feel, I feel very grateful to be where I am and to be doing the work I'm doing. Mm. Um, yeah. So I'm curious to see what our conversation brings. I'm curious too. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would love to hear from you since you've been doing this for five years now, mm-hmm. circling out and everything. I'd like to hear from you like what your definition is and how is it helping maybe you and the world. Yeah. Yeah. So I... I would say that circling and authentic relating, circling in specific, um, the official definition, or at Mm. least one of them, is that it's a relational meditation practice. Mm. That that means that um, it's like meditation because we sit down and we watch what happens in our bodies, in our minds, in our emotions. There are some intuitive images that come, but is different from doing that on our own because we do it in the context of relating with other people. And in that context, we get to see um, patterns and perhaps some wounds or some strengths that we have uh, that we will not be able to see if we would sit down and meditate on our own because they arise in the context of relating with other people. And so... That's the, the definition of what it <laughs> and is. I'm curious. Uh, they arise in the context with other people because, from what I can tell, because we get triggered, right? Yes, also that. It could be that we get triggered. It could be that we feel beautiful feelings, actually, of mm. connection and, and love and compassion. Um, so it's not necessarily that... We go hunting for triggers, <laughs> you know, or, or that, that's what the space is about. The space is about being present with each other and creating intimacy through that. 
and watching what arises organically from that. So there is no push to be like, okay, we're here to heal something and let's go into the wounds and let's go into yeah. what happened in your past or something like that. It's more like, huh, if I sit here and watch, what can I notice in meeting you in this moment? Yeah. And I can, I can slow down and I can tune into my body and I can start observing, okay, as I look into your eyes, I can see a little bit of the, the flicker of, of the of the candles that we have here in your eyes and and I feel an openness in my heart and in my and in my body. I feel in this moment as I say that there's also a little bit of maybe like a little 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 thing of thread of an anxiety that's moving also mm. in my solar plexus. And as I say that I also notice a little contraction in my throat. And then I realize, okay, yeah, there is a part of me that is still settling here mm. and I can open to welcome that and not try to fix it or try to heal it or try to do anything with it. And actually, it's just the allowing of it to move that allows for our life energy to move in relating with other people and as we welcome all of ourselves. Really. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. As I hear you say that, <laughs> which is a sentence I learned during one of your workshops. Mm-hmm. As I hear you say that, I notice that me too, um, in my system, in my body, I feel a bit of nervousness, a bit of anxiety. But once you name them, it almost felt like okay, I'm not the only one, and I can relax a bit more, and I can settle a bit more into my pillow here, and just be. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that shifted something in me where I'm, I'm, I'm a bit more at ease right now, mm-hmm. and probably the conversation will flow a bit easier from that place, <laughs> so thank you. Mm, thank you. Yeah. I love that we can intertwine the circling into this conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so moving a bit further, I am curious, how did this whole thing start with you? Whole thing with circling or whole thing with my wider journey? <laughs> Let's go with the wider journey. <laughs> okay. Circling the, the is wider, been part of it. Right. The wider healing or spiritual journey. How did it start? What? Yeah, what so I'm originally from Bulgaria, uh, which means that I grew up after communism. I was born during communism and grew up after communism. Yeah. And and that means, at least in our country, that 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 the institution of religion was not that strong. So there was no, you know, framework of religion or spirituality when I was growing up. I knew that churches were there and you could go in and light a candle, but I didn't know what for. I knew that some people believe in God. But like I gave it a try when I was a teenager. Maybe I pray to God, see what happens. It's like, oh, this is not working. Thank you. But <laughs> <laughs> you know? So so I really had, you know, no frame of, of reference um growing up. And and still I would have like these experiences that each of us do of things that are you know, a little bit out of the usual, like mm-hmm. 
you know, maybe maybe I would see a certain pattern in you know in the trees or Something in the mirror. A bit more paranormal. Yeah, say, kind of, or... kind of like you know. I think each of us is gonna have their experiences as a yeah. child or as a young person, you know, where something of uh, ordinary reality starts like twisting or changing, mm-hmm. even if you're not doing anything crazy, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so I had my own share of those. And I didn't have anything to relate them to, you know. And then hmm. uh, at some point later down the road, I think it was about 12 years ago or so, um, somebody pointed me to the work of Carlos Castaneda. Mm. And I started reading that. Um, and then a little bit later, the work of Michael Harner, who's also an anthropologist and a shaman that wrote about basically the archetype of the shaman in different cultures. Um, he made a huge study and research on everything from Siberia, Latin America, Australia, wow. everywhere. And he was looking for what are the common patterns and what is it that we can do to connect with that part of ourselves that knows more deeply or that is more intuitive, that is more connected with the natural world. And, and so I, I started reading this and he was like oh you can do a drum journey and like here's the steps you can do you know 20 minutes at home and i'm like i didn't have any friends that were interested in this nobody around cared about spirituality in that moment and and i was just like oh i can do this okay let me let me do it Mm -hmm. and then i went for a drum journey like the way that he described it and it blew my mind i was like what the hell just happened like it it felt like I, i i accessed the part of my consciousness that I had no idea existed and I had no idea how powerful it is you know it's like it's basically like dreaming while you're awake that's what the practice is about and so that started opening a lot for me and moving a lot for me and at some point it helped me to realize also that you know my heart was not in what I was doing at that time Mm -hmm. I was working in IT and Mm -hmm. startups uh, in that moment and and at some point, I just reached the point of honesty where I was like, I just really don't give a damn, let's <laughs> yeah. call it like that, about, you know, making people's lives easier with technology in little ways here and there. I just, it's not something that speaks to my heart. It's not something that feels meaningful to me. And I was like, and then what is? Yeah. And I had no idea. And I went through a time of like isolating myself and like not knowing what to do with my life, you know, and just, mm. you know, I quit my job. I was just like, okay, what, what do I do? <laughs> you know? And, and a friend said, go to Bali. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to Bali, you know? Um, and I went to Bali and I had no idea what I was doing there. I was thinking, maybe I'm going to connect with some digital nomads and, you know, and I'm going to, you know, come up with another project with them or like, you know, figure out what to do next. And I still remember, like, I went in the co-working places there. When was this? Um, that, that was about six years ago. Six years ago. And I went to the co-working spaces, and I would just go in, and I'm like, eh, this is not my place. <laughs> huh. You know, and go out. Um, and, and I was like, well, what am I doing here? And little by little, I was led to actually circling in authentic relating with one of the first things that... I encountered there and um, and I had a crucial conversation that helped me to really connect with my purpose and wow. set my path there with actually 
it was the person that brought me to authentic relating even before I had been there. I, I was speaking with him and uh, his name is Jan Bendel. He's um, basically the founder of a movement that is now called Deep Adaptation, which is about um, adapting to social breakdown due to climate change. Wow. And um, basically at that point he hadn't yet founded that movement. He was just going through his own process of realizing as a professor in sustainability, doing research in that field, that things are going to go really crazy with the climate. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, what his research was showing at that time. Mm -hmm. And so he was processing all of his emotions related to that. And he was sharing with me, you know, what he had found. And I'm like, well, I'm just meeting this person. And at the same time, you know, he has a position, like a kind of an authority. He's a sustainability professor. Mm -hmm. And and so I was like, maybe there is, you know, something true in what he's saying. Right. That, okay, within 10 years, maybe the world and civilization as we know it might go down. <laughs> and a lot of people might, you know, perish in that process yeah. and, and everything. So I was like, whoa, you know, listening to his story and saying, okay, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play with this and see where it takes me. What if I'm one of those people that during this, you know, transitional yeah. time for humanity, dies yeah. in 10 years. What does that mean? And I was like, oh. how does that, how did that feel? I, for me, it was like, well, I better make sure I live for those 10 years. And I was like, well, how do I know if I have lived? And I said, well, I feel alive when mm -hmm. I feel connected with myself, with other people, with nature. And then I said, well, it doesn't make any difference if I die tomorrow or in 10 years or in 50 years, you know, like whenever that point is coming for me, it's going to come for all of us. The most important thing is that I stay true to what makes me feel alive so that I could say at the end of the day that I have fully lived. And then it was like, well, okay, then I need to commit to connection. And go into places where I can experience, explore what connection can look mm -hmm. like, what are the forms it can take. And in time, I also understood it's part of my mission to create spaces where people can connect with mm -hmm. self, other, and nature. Um, and at that point, it was very scary because I was, I had no concept of like therapy, coaching, yeah. you know, any kind of like facilitation or, or something. I was just like, you know, yeah. fresh out of IT. <laughs> you know, and, and like I didn't have any of those ideas. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it was just like, I'm just going to commit to connection, going to places that help me to experience that. And from there, I will see what happens. And that's how I ended up in authentic relating. <laughs> well. I love it so much. Thank you for, uh, for this deep introduction to your own uh, past and how it all started to make sense for you. I relate so much with the things you're saying, the first and foremost, just growing up in a post-communist country as well, uh, Romania in my case, um, also being in IT and Stardust. Uh, and also finally, <laughs> the, the last thing you said that you're so, you're afraid you experienced here because you didn't have any sort of um, connection with the world of coaching or uh, spirituality 
at that point or healing all of these holding spaces, which is kind of what I'm experiencing at the moment. Um, because in my own journey, I'm moving more towards that. I have some experience, but never as a facilitator or never as a space holder, like you're saying, um, which is a bit of what we're doing now. So I'm stepping more into that, but it is uncomfortable and scary and, mm -hmm. and all of those things. Um, but at the same time, it is also fresh and uh, rejuvenating. And um, yeah, it, it, it gives me a different sense of my purpose. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful to be able to do that and to be able to connect with people like you mm -hmm. and to, yeah just to be around people like you actually it's so rejuvenating by itself and healing so thank you again for that <laughs> mm. all right i wanted to say also that in my experience uh in my upbringing um for for some reason, I had a religious framework, even though it just we got out of the communism at the same time. Somehow, my grandma became very religious right after uh, the years of communism. And when I was already five years old or so, I remember I was she used to take me to church, and she told me how to pray. And so for me, from my, from a very early age god the christian god was there and angels and all of this um which created its own kind of uh, framework of issues and, sure. and traumas but you know everything comes in uh in good and bad okay. um <laughs> but yeah i just wanted to to pinpoint that because it was curious to me that you in Bulgaria, you guys didn't have any of that. Interesting. Yeah, there's people that still kept uh, their religion, but it was a minority because the the campaign against religion was much stronger in Bulgaria. Mm. We've actually lived for a few years in Romania, so I know like I there is a difference there. Yeah, because in Romania nowadays it's very religious. I they know. Build churches I know. I lived in Kuznetsk for a while, and it's like. <laughs> Churches popping out everywhere. Churches popping like, out, oh like, God. what's going on? Yeah. Anyways, let's not get into that, but... <laughs> okay, so... I'm curious. So, nowadays, uh, you've, be you've become a circling and self-authentic facilitator, among other things. Mm -hmm. um, and you are, pretty much, you, ha you have already stepped into your power, I would say, right? Um, can you talk about that a bit? About stepping into my power? Yeah. How was it for you? <laughs> and how, how are you feeling right now? About it? I feel that, to be honest, uh, stepping into my power is not, it's not something that passion is complete. Mm. Um, I don't feel like it's something that, you know, okay, I've reached it. <laughs> Here I am on, on the top of the mountain. You know, it, it's more like um, really, a, it feels like a building of an inner resilience as things keep on, you know, being born and dying in my experience, hmm. both relationally and professionally. You know, it's it's been kind of like 
you know, I've had quite a few projects and ways of working and ways of being that in time have transformed and, you know, I needed to let go of this or, or move it into something else. And, and really it's, you know, I, I feel there's a part of me that keeps on hoping that, you know, one day I'm going to find like, okay, this is my thing and just stick with it. And in a way I am finding, because it feels like in time everything gets more precise, but at the same time, it feels like it just continues like and I and I actually am starting to understand that part of being in one's power is that allowing for your own growth and evolution to reflect in what you do and how you do it with people hmm. rather than being like, OK, I've reached it. Here I am. And yeah, <laughs> and I'm doing this, this and this and, you know, like because similar to the healing journey, you never really reach it. You never really heal completely. You never really step into your hundred percent of your power, I would say. And and as you're saying, like it's always evolving. It's always like it feels like you are un untapping or, or tapping into a new next level each time. Like, yeah. Like yeah, I have this uh, sort of visual of um. um many layers that in our purpose our job is to simply get through the layer and through deeper 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 layer and that's where your purpose is and mm -hmm. it's probably i don't know if there's a single major purpose that we are here to find but there are definitely a bunch of purposes that we can we can uh, embody and yeah, build our life basically. You know, it, it, it kind of feels like life meeting life, you know, life within us, our own life energy and the way that it's unfolding and it's shifting as we move and as we grow, the way that that life meets, you know, what surrounds us, the context we are in, every context, you know, that's been also part of my journey is like living in different places, in Romania, in Bali, mm -hmm. in Peru, now I'm here. Um, every place pulls out a different aspect of the gifts that you have to share. Right. And, right. you know, even, even for example, COVID for me was like a huge, um, how to say, um, in, it, it's not incentive the word, but like a huge invitation mm -hmm. that I responded to, to, to create online community. And I, mm. I did a lot of that for the years of, of COVID. COVID. Um, so it's just like, okay, this is happening. Let's see what I can bring to the table in this circumstance. Yeah. That's so amazing. Yeah. Where a lot of, you know, people, um, really had to struggle during those times and really fell victim to the situation and the isolation and, and all of that. Um, but yeah, you're saying you showed up to, to the opportunity and, Maybe make a few changes in your life, um, maybe change the medium in which you are building these spaces of connections for the connections to take place. Um, but in the end, it showed you another way of doing it and another way of meeting life, right? Exactly. As you're saying. Yeah, it's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I would like to go a bit more into circling and, and authentic relating. <laughs> mm 
um, just for you know for us right now to be able to drop a bit deeper maybe and be more present, but also for the listeners to get a bit of a taste, a bit of a flavor of you know what what's it about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like to invite you to ask you maybe to lead a bit the conversation around that. Mm-hmm. Um, just a short, short practice. Short practice. Yeah. Yeah. One of the one of the simplest practices of of authentic relating and circling in specific that helps to build the core capacity of of that way of being is um, the practice of noticing. Mm. Okay, so um, this is something that we can do together, mm-hmm. and I would like to invite those that are listening to also be present with their bodies and with the way that their system responds to what they hear between us. So, so observing what's happening in their, their body, what's happening in their emotions, in their minds. Um, even in this moment, if they're walking or somewhere sitting, like just, just becoming more present to their environment, to their, their place where they are, to what's going on really mm-hmm. for them. What's it like for them to be alive in this moment? And we're going to go into a little exercise with you of noticing what's here. So we can close our eyes and just Become more present to mm. our breath. Allowing our awareness to move, exploring sensations present in our faces, in our shoulders, chest, belly. Hips, legs, connecting to place where we're meeting the surface beneath us. Feeling what it's like to be held and welcomed exactly as we are in this moment, mm-hmm. right here. And then gently, we're going to keep a part of our awareness with ourselves as we Make our way back to open our eyes and look around the space we're in a moment. See how we are impacted, how our bodies are feeling as we encounter the different colors and shapes and light patterns around. And then what it's like to look at each other. What arrives in that? We can go back and forth, maybe, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a few minutes and, and share what we encounter within ourselves in this present moment. 
can use the phrases being with you here now. I notice hearing you say this. I notice. I'm gonna begin first. I never miss life, so. Mm -hmm, that's gonna be interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm noticing in this moment. There is a smile on my face. I feel my heart is open. I feel a little shortness of breath. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of tingles, a lot of energy moving in my feet, actually. And still contraction in my throat. There is a an interesting play of awareness. As I look in your eyes, like I have a very strong feeling of your presence. And at the same time, I'm aware that there's other people mm -hmm. listening. And I don't feel so connected with them in this moment because I feel very present with you. Mm. There's a part of me that's like, oh, maybe, maybe I should feel more connected with these people. And how do I do that? Mm -hmm. if, if, like, I'm... Um, yeah, I'm not able to see them or I don't know them, you know, it's like, um, so there's this like, almost like a triangle of awareness forming in that. And, um, and a kind of a permission to allow myself to feel, oh yeah, I feel a little bit disconnected from whoever might be listening right now. Mm. And... And, and as I say that, it's almost like I want to invite that, that person over here. <laughs> Even if we can't hear them or see them. Everyone is invited. Yeah. So that's, that feels, that feels good in my system to say that out loud and not, not to try to pressure myself to imagine or, you know, mm. to, yeah, there's something of like a, a pressure being released. If I say that. Hearing you saying that, my system I I am pretty present here with you as well. Um Yeah, I think there is quite a nice equilibrium between my attention or my awareness being split between my body and my mind <laughs> mm. um, as I have to you know being the host of the podcast think a bit about logistics and the way of the interview goes so there's there's that in the background of my mind but at the same time I can also feel present in my body mm. um, so I allow more of that to happen to let go more into the moment. Um, as you are saying, as you are posing your question, your dilemma about the public listeners, my initial um, tension, ten, uh, tendency was to answer, because that's what normally people do, I guess. But uh, I remember to just notice what's happening and what arises in me mm. without having to necessarily do anything about it. Mm. So, so you want that in a way to, to help? Or to, to help in a way, yeah. Okay. To solve your dilemma. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> Not that I actually had an answer to it, but the tendency was there to try. 
Just, just very grateful by hearing you speak that for feeling so safe here mm-hmm. with you noticing this rather than engaging in it. I feel safe with you or safer with you. Just mm-hmm. having see, witnessed you noticing this and not engaging in it. Yeah. It's like I can feel your consciousness and your ability to to sense into yourself and how you want to respond rather than just instinctively moving with that. And um, and I feel more open, more trusting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like a... A feeling of melting happening in my shoulder. It's like I feel like I can drop. Like I have permission to just drop a little bit more. I don't have to sit straight or to be yeah. in a certain way. It's like ah oh, okay. It's like I feel there's a playfulness. Like I can start moving or yeah. I feel a smile on my face. I feel light. I feel light right now. Yeah, and you say that gives me permission to be playful and to allow the smile on my face to go even deeper or get even broader. <laughs> Maybe even make a noise, a laughing noise like, like I just did. Uh, as you were saying, that you feel safer because I didn't engage in trying to answer, trying to help. I uh, remember that the thought in my head was that I actually learned this during our workshop. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just starting with these kind of notions. It's still novel to me mm-hmm. of noticing something, but instead of engaging, just maybe take a breath mm-hmm. and allow that and see what's going on next. And surprising things, <laughs> surprising confirmations came up from the other person that I that I've practiced this with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. The idea of that, my shoulders are collapsing a little, my head is going down. I'm kind of glad there's no video right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's always a bit difficult to get out of the circle anymore. (laughs) How do we get back to reality now? (laughs) Maybe we bring it with us. Who knows? So, how do you feel right now? Do you feel as we check out of of this space? Mm. What's what's present for you, or what is it that you found? I found that I can go a bit deeper into 
surrendering into the moment even when the stakes are a bit higher like we are alive right now mm -hmm. so i found that there is a possibility for my head to just shut down just a bit more than i thought mm -hmm. uh, and i'm very grateful for that mm. i feel gratefulness openness and a bit of excitement mm. as well of what's next like like about the next question i'm gonna ask <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing with me and thank you for those who are listening for being present with yourselves and with what this conversation might have brought up for you. Thank you. Thank you Zori so much. Okay. Uh, so we've talked about your past a little. We've talked a bit about the present. Mm. It's time to focus on the future. <laughs> Let's bring the future self into the present moment. Mm -hmm. Dr. Jody Spencer is saying. <laughs> how, um, how does the future look like to you? Oof. <laughs> that's, that's the big question, isn't it? Um, yeah, I've had, a, I've had an interesting relationship with the future. You know, I used to be a very organized person. I had a lot of plans, a lot of goals, and I was really kind of showing up for them and like making things happen. And I feel like part of my, of my healing journey, as we're talking mm -hmm. about healing journeys here, was actually to let go of that and to allow myself to move more from presence in the way that my life is unfolding, which is, you know, I feel like it's in some moments it's been really difficult and I've been like, what am I doing with my life? And like, <laughs> you know, just really feeling the weight of that. And in other moments, it just feels like, yeah, I, I actually can trust in the way that everything is moving. I can see that even though there is many unknowns up in the air, like my capacity for being with not knowing has grown in time. Yeah. And I have seen in time that somehow, always, always something comes up. Mm -hmm. You know, and like, if I, if I listen closely, something comes up and there's definitely certain threads that are present for me right now of, of things I want to explore, things I want to deepen into. So part of that is I'm, I'm considering to strengthen my, my background with circling. I've been holding space for it for five years. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've done it just by my own initiative, because it was like, oh my God, I really need this in my life because it helps me to stay present with myself while relating with others. And through that, it's helping me to basically move through some serious trauma I had. Mm -hmm. around, like if I'm with other people, my attention goes on them and I forget about myself and my needs and what, what am I doing here? Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, so all of that, Right now, I feel like I want to strengthen it. So I'm looking at working with Surfing Europe, getting some training with them. Uh, they're the people from whom I learned this. Mm -hmm. um, then there's another thread that is opening right now, which is related to my shamanic work um, that basically involves my work with the mushroom medicine. Mm -hmm. 
and I've been facilitating individual spaces for several years now and I'm feeling the call to expand and to hold group ceremonies and in that context also I want to work with other people so there's all of that kind of like movement and like I don't know how it's going to happen and who who is going to join and how it's going to look like exactly but um, that's definitely something that's ripening right now for me yeah and so yeah there's many different things happening in this moment and I guess the last thing I would say, like what's present for me is that, um, yeah, I got to see more recently in my own work with the mushroom medicine, um, a very deep fear that I was holding. Mm. That was a fear of basically being dead while being alive. And, and that fear I, I understood and I, I never knew before I had glimpses of the fear and the way that it's impacting my life um but i saw to the roots of it Mm -hmm. i saw that it was connected to having witnessed the grief of my father and the way that it impacted his life when he was not able to use all these tools and processes that we have today to actually allow it to move and um and as a child witnessing that it had impacted me of like this fear of of like grief basically which is death that is within us while we are alive and it's it's individual in my family but i feel it was also like i have a very big sensitivity for it when it comes to like even the collective field and like even nature spots and places like that and so i feel that having moved through some of that with the help of the mushrooms more recently is opening a kind of uh, an amazing energy where I feel like I'm much more open to initiate Mm -hmm. and to poke things, to poke life in different ways. Like, oh, what happens if I push over here? What happens (laughs) if I push over there? And it's a little bit like it's not linear. It's not like, okay, I'm going to go and do this thing. But it's like, oh, here I could take action with this and here I could take action with this. And I feel like that's that's such a huge shift for me because I feel like for a long time I've just been in this like, okay, I'm just going to sit and see what happens and see what opportunities come my way and just, you know, yeah. like You're waiting for way. the universe to invite you whatever, whereas yeah. you're showing up to yeah. whatever there is already, yeah. poking yeah. as you're saying. It almost sounds like you're, you're allowing your inner child to come out and play in the stage of life and like children they don't have a linear way of seeing the future and thinking oh i'm gonna go this way because some milestone further along will show up and then i'll do this other thing and so on they just play yeah, yeah, exactly. and yeah that sounds so beautiful to me um it resonates too like i had the opportunity to allow my inner child to come out um about a year ago or so i started the process mm. uh, and from from my journey it was very <sighs> healing of course and very potent to just really you know like release the leash of holding myself so uptight to, towards being um i don't know a a version that's always um what's the word like uh 
following certain standards in society mm. uh, and not make mistakes and not breaking any rules. Well, I broke some rules, <laughs> but you know, like I had always this sort of thing that I was too afraid to allow myself to go out there and try and play and, and mo- most importantly, make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then once I saw that and I literally allow myself to make mistakes and then to see um, what's after that, like to see that, yeah, mistakes are being, uh, are happening, but you can actually ask for forgiveness. You can forgive yourself, first of all, and then you can repair the relationship. And in those cases, the relationship gets stronger because mm-hmm. of it, not weaker, as, uh, you know, I was afraid of. Mm-hmm. That was uh, definitely a shift in my own journey, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's beautiful. I mean, I can really feel, you know, so much heaviness being released, mm. right? Of like, oh, it has to be this way, I have to be that way. And I can so much relate to this because actually, you know, for me, in the very early stages of, you know, realizing, oh, yeah, my my path is about connection. Yeah. Um, I, I had a, a kind of a similar call to connect with my inner child um, where it was like, I really recognizing, I don't know what connection is. I don't know what forms it can take. I don't know how deep it can go. And I don't think I can go to university to find out. <laughs> and so it was like, what do I do? And, you know, and I, I created an environment, actually, an experimental environment that was called the Connection Playground, which was really an invitation to play with connection. And, wow. You know, the different ways we can connect with self, other, and nature. And um, that came in a form of online offline community in mm-hmm. Bali, where I was living there. And um, and so every week we would meet and we would have like a, a segment of 45 minutes for connection with nature, connection with self, and then another 45 minutes for connection with other. And within those segments, I would invite different people to share their way, like something that maybe they have as a practice or that yeah. they are certified in or they're just exploring right now. And everybody knew this is like an exploration environment. It's not like you can't expect people here to be like, you know, world-class uh, yeah, certified. Exactly. And, and there would be usually like, okay, this is what we're doing this time, depending on what tools we wanted to explore okay. or ways of being. Um, but this for me was my way to engage that inner child and create a space where like mistakes were allowed where imperfection was allowed you know not just for myself but also for other people because it was like yeah i i don't think my way is to go and learn you know like from university or (laughs) from somebody right now it was just like i want to play i want to explore yeah um and this became like a huge thread throughout my journey that uh during COVID time, it became an online community. Yeah. Uh, and then from it arose a project that um, I ran for about two years called Widening Circles, where facilitators were coming together. And, and in that way of like, there is nothing we're going to learn here. There's nobody that's going to teach us something. It's more like we're coming together to be with what's alive for us right now and to support one another in that. Mm. But there is no agenda. You yeah. know, and, and so yeah, yeah. This notion of no agenda is so yeah, healing in itself, I believe. Yeah. Um, 
it uh, it just brings to my to my attention how fascinating this road of healing is that in most cases um, it brings us back into the simple things like connecting with nature, connecting with our inner self, our inner child, play, no agenda, just meeting as people, as beings, and allow ourselves to be. <laughs> and that in itself is so, like in today's society, just that notion uh, sounds ridiculous, right? Sounds so out of, oh, you're a bit crazy to do something like that. Like if you're talking to, I don't know, my parents or to the older generations. And I actually wanted to make a point about this. When you talked about uh, grief and um, your story about the, your dad, um, I relate to, to, to that too. Like um, the point I wanted to make was that, you know, like our parents had done their best. I like, like um, and I'm saying that mostly for myself because um, in my journey, again, like I would at times hold them accountable for a lot of things. And that's, of course, me being playing the victim, um, but realizing that they've done their best with the tools they had at the, that time. Um, like they didn't have internet, first of all, when they grew up. They didn't have probably access to... Yeah, growing up in communism, East Europe, they didn't really have access to any sort of Western like books or knowledge. That's that's first of all, and then second of all, just the system. Like I was looking at my dad uh, last time I was at home, I was helping him with uh, a project, and he has his own ways of his <laughs> has a temper and he has his own ways of navigating through problems and through life or building things. Uh, in this case, we were building a roof. And like when something doesn't work, he just forces it. Like he would just, you know, he wouldn't bend his way, but he would try to bend reality or the mm -hmm. universe by force. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was witnessing that, you know, and then there was a lot of tension in him and a lot of um, expression. Let's not go too deep into that, but like, I was witnessing that and I could see how in me, you know, being with him, doing a bit of, I guess, circling back then without knowing what circling yeah. really is, but I would, I would notice what's inside of me when I'm next to him and he's in that state. And I noticed how tension would build up in me and I would notice how I, I just don't want to be here. I feel overwhelmed or I feel a sense of repulsion or what's like, why can't he change his ways and mm -hmm. do it in a better way, right? In a smoother way. And then it dawned on me, like, you know, like, not only that he doesn't have, didn't have the tools and the opportunities you had, but even today, today, in the present moment, like him and most people are going to a nine to five job. Mm -hmm. They're putting all their energy there. And then they come home tired. They don't really have time to dive into, I don't know, books and psychology and whatever. And then it's not part of the culture to do that, especially in Romania. Mm -hmm. So how can I expect and pretend them to be following, to, to even to open to a healing journey? It's just so uncommon and not normal. So, yeah, the moment was kind of... Um, 
shifting, you know, my, my views. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I feel a lot of compassion, you know, for, for our parents' generation, yeah. specifically yeah. in this context in which they grew up and, and had to operate because, you know, what I'm realizing and part of the reason why I'm also here in San Marcos in Guatemala is actually uh, a certain longing I have connected with within myself to connect with um, with the culture that is alive still here, like the indigenous people and their yeah. way of spirituality and they, their way of belonging and their way of connecting with nature and all of that. Because what I was, you know, realizing when I was looking back on my mother, my father, and like all of those things that you spoke yeah. about, you know, that that happened, and you're like, oh, you know. But like, really, what what I was realizing is that, you know, maybe a few generations before, there would be like this um, culture that would hold people yeah. through all kinds of processes, whether that's initiation, tradition, ritual in certain situations, for example, in grief in this case, you know, there would be people to go to, like somebody that's like the elder of the village, or, yeah. you know, or, or like the, the plant, the plant medicine person or whoever, you know, so there was a certain context that was held, holding and helping to promote the health of those people, not just physically, but also mentally, yeah. and, you know, emotionally and all of that. And so as we transitioned, you know, into communist and then capitalist system, you know, those roots were left behind. But then still it was kind of that in-between space where the new stuff that is now coming of like all of these processes and all of these therapies and all of these ways that can help us to move through our emotions and what's there, they were not there yet. And there was no culture to be like, oh, I'm going to go to therapy. Yeah. And so they were in this in-between space where what used to hold people through such experiences was gone. And then at the same time, there is nothing to replace it. And then you're like, what the hell? Yeah. What, what do I do in this moment? You know? Yeah. So that's part of my calling for being here, for example, is like having that living indigenous culture to learn from when it comes to not just healing, but what is it that we can do to promote health? in our lives, in our communities, so that there is le- less need to heal. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, actually, here there used to be two institutions. So you would have, for example, the shaman or the healer that you would go to if you have a certain issue with the body or the mind or a piece of land that you have or something mm-hmm. like that, you would go to the shaman. But then there was a whole another institution that was like the priesthood, the mind priesthood, mm-hmm. That would be in the center of the village and they would be the ones that are holding the traditions, the rituals, the initiations, the myths, you know, all the ancient knowledge of the ancestors that is actually helping to move people through different stages of life in a healthy way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's like that difference between healing and health. Right. What is it that we do in both of those things? Rather than just focusing on the healing, the healing definitely has its part. But I feel, as how to say, as sometimes we get out of balance just focusing on that, mm-hmm. because there is a lot of work that can be done to promote more health. And I think mm-hmm. authentic relating and circling is one mm-hmm. of those things. There is not like, oh, I'm going to go there because I need to heal my trauma. It's like, no, I'm going there because it's healthy for me to mm-hmm. be in connection with myself and with others and to be present to that, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
as you were um, describing this, uh, the image I had in my mind was, um, yeah, exactly the generations of our parents, maybe grandparents, uh, being in this limbo state, in this state between worlds almost, or cultures, or phases uh, in our, you know, humanity. Um, and pretty much them going more and more outside of a community, like becoming more and more an individual uh, as someone part of a community, as a community member. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think the trend was for the last hundred years or, or so. Uh, so then, of course, like if you're cut out of the community, you are left alone. And that by itself is just being part of the being you know, but from like being a mammal, like any sort of mammal and uh, uh, animal need community. We need, we need social life in order to be, as you're saying, healthy. Um, and then the other thing I kind of realized was that, yeah, you're so, so right. I can, my eyes were a bit watering. So big shout out to, to our parents <laughs> for doing their best and for, um, you know, not being easy for them because the wisdom bearers were not there for to hold them. They didn't have this kind of containers, the containers that the previous generations used to have to go through as they were advancing in life and as they were dealing with all sorts of issues and problems that came with just life. Mm -hmm. So, whew, yeah, I'm a bit emotional. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Come on with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. As we are getting closer to wrap this beautiful conversation, I feel like I'm, I've already allowed some parts of me to come out and heal. <laughs> so thank you. Um, I was wondering. Uh, how can one start, in your opinion, with their healing journey? <laughs> That's a big question. Um, how can we start? I would say, you know, really it's about feeling into what is around them that they feel cold or pull towards that they feel they can trust you know because there's so many tools and modalities yeah. and things happening but really i think eventually it boils down to what is a person around you that you feel safe with that you trust their authenticity their integrity their way of being mm. um their way of working perhaps and, you know, and allowing yourself to perhaps experiment with different environments, with different people, um, yeah, allowing yourself to be, to be guided to that starting point. You know, I, I feel the, the bigger thing I would say is, it's like, don't try to do it alone. Yeah. It's like, find your community, find your support, find the people that can guide you through it, or at least that are sharing a similar experience right now. And that happens through going out and looking mm -hmm. for that. 
Yeah. Or, or allowing it to find you and trusting when it finds you, trusting to go there. Yeah. You know, it, eventually it's about people. It's about coming back into belonging. I love that. Yeah, because when I was deep in my own, I call it a dark pit, I felt lonely. The, the most common, you know, sensational feeling I would get was loneliness and being lost because of that. Yeah. And not being part of a community or feel like I'm belonging somewhere, yeah. really. Even though I was around beautiful people, even though if you want to run, you maybe try their best. Um, that was still a pertinent feeling in my life. So yeah, your advice to just trust it. There are people there who can help. Yeah. It's huge. And I would say, I would say, like there is a, a part of the journey, or many parts of the journey, probably that are about being with yourself. Yeah. And being in your own space and going in the darkness. But I would say it's dif- different to meet those just by yourself as you are versus having actually some resources. Yeah. Having learned some ways of being with yourself or having connected with some people that you know you can reach out to. Yeah. You know, so that's why I would say like in the early stage of that process is really like resource yourself. Mm. You know, find what it is that, that helps you. Even if it's one thing, even if it's, whether it's circling, whether it's breath work, whether it's, you know, some other kind of mm-hmm. therapy, whatever, like just resource yourself with something to hold mm-hmm. you through that process. Cause it, it goes there. It goes into, I need to be with me and I can't be with people right now. Yeah. You know, and all of that. That's also a natural part of it. Yeah. But I think you're so right to like having the resources, having the, those foundational resources. And then you almost get more control over your life and be able to, okay, now I need to go on my own. But knowing that I can always come back, it gives you a bit of more, yeah, sense of control, which is, I think, very important. Yeah. Okay, Zori, thank you so much for this conversation. Um, where can people find more about you or about your work, about your workshops? Well, um, online, I have a website. It's zoridomova.com. Okay, we can have it in the description. Wonderful. And if they're coming to San Marcos, that's also a place where they can find more information. That is San Marcos, La Laguna in Guatemala. <laughs> because right now it feels like there's this movement towards like orienting some more of my work to offline environment. Mm-hmm. And um, so if somebody's coming over here, I would love to connect, um, meet in person. There's things that I can do in person that I can do online, right. for example. Working with cacao or with the medicine mushrooms um, and different things like that. So, and circling is amazing and in person. <laughs> circling is certainly amazing in person. And it's happening weekly here right now. Yes, love it. Thank you, thank you, Zori. Thank you, beautiful people who are listening to this. Um, yeah, see you next time. Thank you so much, Gabriel. Thank you. Thank you everyone for tuning in and being here with us on this episode of Life is Good podcast. I hope you got to learn some interesting things today. Maybe some resonated with you, maybe some didn't, or maybe some you've heard for the first time. In any case, if you have any questions or feedback for me, please don't hesitate to contact me at the link in the description of the podcast. 
I am so honored to be doing this and I'm looking forward to be with you in the next episodes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.